Here's another study from Calvary Chapel, Rochester. Blessing to be here this morning with you guys. I have a, this puppet feels so high. I'm not used to it. At our church, it's like a lower one, so it's just kind of odd. It's like, whoa. I'm also used to wireless, so if I start to do this, you'll know why. Um, I, I think there was a misunderstanding. One person here, they, I think there was... Somebody said they, they asked if I was the pastor of Calvary Chapel Sioux Falls. I am not. So I wanted to throw that out there so that way my pastor back home doesn't think I'm trying to take his job or anything. So I don't want there to be any, like, you know, emails to him and be like, well, did you just say you were the pastor? And I didn't. So it's a, it's a blessing to be here. I was uh, praying about what the Lord wanted us to hear from him today. Um, and I was praying about what the Lord would have for us. And normally I know here at Calvary Chapel, um, the beautiful thing about Calvary Chapel is you can go anywhere and it's going to teach verse by verse through the Bible. That's the beautiful thing you know about when you go to a new city. Maybe you're visiting somebody and you're like, where did I go to church at? If there's a Calvary Chapel, you know that. You can know that they're going to go through God's word. Um, and we are going to go through God's word this morning. Um, we don't normally do topicals. Um, I'm probably going to do it jumping around a little bit along a theme, though. We're going to be looking at, actually, you know, it's funny. It's because I was talking telling how everybody thinks my name is Joshua sometimes. We're actually going to be talking about Joshua today. Um, we're going to be looking at the life of Joshua. So we will be jumping around a little bit. So if I say verses or read from different passages, don't feel like you have to jump around and uh, go there too. If you would rather camp out in the book of Joshua or wherever we're at, that is fine. Um, if I didn't do slides. I wasn't really thinking that I would do slides, but I didn't do any, so if you're looking at the screen like waiting for the first slide, it, it won't be there. Um, but if you are taking notes, you can definitely go ahead and note. It's We're going to be calling it God uses ordinary men and women for extraordinary purposes. So God uses ordinary men and women for extraordinary purposes. So we're going to look at Joshua. It's been my devotions and kind of my study the last few weeks in my own time with the Lord has been through this book of Joshua. So, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful for your word. Thank you that you have given us your word, that you've instructed us, Lord. Lord, as we come before you, humbly wanting to receive what your Holy Spirit has for us this morning, we pray, God, that you would now, Lord, be working on our hearts, opening up our hearts to your voice this morning, Lord. That it wouldn't be my words, but it'd be your words coming out, Lord. And we thank you, God, that you are mighty, that you are faithful. Pray you'd bless this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. And I was really glad you guys called the kids up to pray for them, too. That's just so important. Something we do at our fellowship, and it's just so imp important to keep our kids in prayer. Um, so, first we've got to figure out who was Joshua, right? Who was he? Who is this person? So, if you'll... We'll start in Exodus chapter uh, 17 verses. We'll start with the. Uh, we'll start with verse eight of Exodus 17. It says an Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, "Choose for us men, and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand." So Joshua did as Moses told him. 
and fought with Amalek. While Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill, whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed, and whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' mighty, but Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone, put it under him, and he sat on it. While Aaron and Ur held up his hands on one side and the other on the other side, so his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Recite this as a memorial in the book, and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly block out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, The Lord is my banner, and saying, A hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. So we see that Joshua was a man who had served underneath Moses. After they had come out of Egypt, Joshua was one of Moses' faithful servants, was one of Moses' faithful men of, of battle, really. He was a military man. He, he, here we see the account that he was a faithful warrior for Israel. And this brings us to our first observation as we go through Deuteronomy in the book of Joshua. We see that he was faithful. We don't know Joshua's background a whole lot. We don't know a lot about him, really, other than what we have in the book of Joshua. But we can also see that Moses trusted him to lead, to go out and fight. He trusted him because it says that Moses commanded, said to Joshua, choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. So we can see that there's a level of trust Moses had with Joshua to lead the men and go out and fight. And that is so important because when we look at what Jesus said about faithfulness is that he who's faithful and little will be faithful in much. That's the first lesson we can learn from the life of Joshua, is that he was given a task and he was faithful in it. You know, it's, I know you guys said, uh, see, God doesn't look for our, our abilities as much as he looks for our availabilities. Because God wants faithfulness above all. Faithfulness to him and then faithfulness to the callings that he would give us. I know you guys have just finished 1 Corinthians. And I really want to get up here and be like, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 this morning, but I decided not to. But uh, um, what we know, you guys know that Paul says, not many noble, not many wise, but God uses foolish things. God's looking for available vessels, and that's one of the truths we'll see this morning. And if we could spend all day long looking through the Bible and looking at all these men and women of faith that God used, that made mistakes. Um, we don't know Joshua's life, but we know he was a human being. We don't know what mistakes he made necessarily, but we know he was a human that God used for great things. And that's the first truth for us this morning, is that God uses ordinary men and women for extraordinary purposes. You know, the Lord, the Lord gave Joshua victory over Amalek. You know, it's interesting, the more I was, I think so often we, we read through the Bible and we think, oh, God did that for David, or God did this for Samson, or God did this for Moses, God did this for name any person in the Bible that God used, and we're like, well, how can God use me, though? And so often we think that God cannot use us, but the more I study God's word, the more I've been digging through Joshua, I've been seeing that God doesn't wait for us to be perfect, the perfect vessel used for his glory. Instead, he works in us by his Holy Spirit to mold us to be those vessels for his glory. So he faithfully ministered to Moses. He was a faithful servant of Moses. Then we come over to Numbers, 13, and we, we read that he was a man of faith. He was, a, and if, we're going to work our way to the book of Joshua this morning still. I tr we will get there. Um, but we see that he was a man of faith. We have an account of, of, the, uh, of the spies being sent into the promised land. 
And without reading the full passage for the sake of time, we, we see that uh, when it's naming off the various people, spies that are sent in, we also see that in verse uh, 16, it says, These were the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Hosea the son of Nun, Joshua. And then it goes on to talk about Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up into the Negev and up into the hill country and see what the land is, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or mighty, and whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So they go up into the land, and then jumping down, they come back from, the, from their spying out the promised land. And it says in verse 25, And at the end of the 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron, to all the congregation of the people of Israel, in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them, and to all the congregation, showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them, We have come to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified, and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. So then it continues to read just a couple more verses. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land, though which we have gone to spy it out, is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that are in it are of great height. And then in the next chapter, it talks about Caleb and Moses. They speak up in, in verse 6 of 14. says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of Israel, The land which we passed through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. So we see that Joshua and Caleb, they knew the Lord had given them the land. Joshua was a, was a man of faith. And it's yet after this report, the people who, the 10 spies who brought this negative report said, the land is good, but nevertheless, despite this, despite God's faithfulness, despite all of what God's done by delivering us from Egypt, we can't take the land. And yet, it's a matter of perspective, isn't it? I was talking to somebody about that yesterday from our church. It's a matter of perspective on the obstacles that are in our lives, is, that are in our calling the Lord's given us that are in our lives as believers. It's a matter of perspective. You can be one of the 10, or you can be a Joshua. And you can look and go, hey, the, Lord, the Lord's given us this land. They were the only two to not doubt the faithfulness of God to deliver Israel. It's gonna play into the life of Joshua as we look at the attributes from his life that Joshua knew the promises of God. He knew the, the power of God. He knew the Lord, that the Lord was, had something so much greater for them that they could imagine. See, Joshua had eyes of faith. And that's the next attribute you can take away is Joshua was faithful to Moses and servant, but Joshua was a man of faith. He had eyes of faith. He was with Caleb who knew that God could give the promised land. And you know, God often, when he calls us, he sends us out to, play, to things that are above us, that are beyond us, so that we would trust him so that we would rely on him, that God would grow our, our faith through trials. 
And that's, I know it was mentioned in Peru. That was when I first went to Peru as a missionary. That was one of the things was it was, it was beyond me. I didn't even speak Spanish when I went to Peru. I didn't know a single word of Spanish. I took French in high school. They don't speak French in Peru. I don't know if you know that, but they don't speak French down there. Unless you're a UN Peace Corps, they don't speak French. <laughs> the Lord had to help me. The Lord had to grow me through that. And now I actually speak 100% Spanish. I'm actually fluent Spanish, and my beautiful fiance is from that country. So the Lord knew why he was calling me there. A lot of times God calls us to take steps of faith that are beyond ourselves. And that might be, I think about my brother. He, uh, he adopted a wonderful, my wonderful nephew from South Africa. Various people I've known who have taken on these challenges. Maybe it's as a parent, maybe it's as a leader in a job, a job, a career perhaps, whatever it is. God so often calls us to do things that are beyond ourselves so that he would get the glory. And in 1 Peter, we, we read that our, our faith is refined by trials. It's made more precious than gold. 1 Peter chapter 1 says that. And yet so often we don't step out in faith because we're, we're afraid of what, what might happen if, we're, if we fell. We're afraid of felling. And it can be seen in evangelism. Maybe it's God's calling you to evangelize, to step out and share the gospel with the lost soul. Yet so often we don't. You know, it's, we would rather be accepted. But I want to see God move. I want, his, I want him to get the glory. I want to see him move. And maybe it's a ministry the Lord's calling you to. I'm just blessed you guys said there's an ministry opportunity board in the back. Maybe it's a ministry God's calling you to, but you're afraid of what the obstacles would be in it. But be like Joshua and say, God's with us. We can take it. We can do this. I can walk in this calling because God's calling me to do it. And we jump over to Deuteronomy 31 as we get close to Joshua. We look at Deuteronomy 31 where we see Joshua's giving command of Israel. And in verse 7, it says, Moses summoned Joshua and said to him, In the sight of all Israel, be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. It's a beautiful promise for us. Whatever calling God's given you, serving the Lord, it's, it's going to be lonely. A lot of times in the calling God gives you, it's, it's, there's going to be days where you're going to feel alone in it, whatever calling that is, career, parenting, ministry, whatever, it's all, whatever specific ministry, whatever it is, there's going to be days. But what a beautiful promise. As we go through the book of Joshua, we're going to see that there's a beautiful promise that he will not leave you nor forsake you. Because it's not the normal to be following the Lord wholeheartedly today. But the Lord's the same. He doesn't change. And if you've chosen to follow the Lord, if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, you're his child. And he isn't going to call you, he doesn't call you to step out in faith and then leave you there alone. No, he's not, he's not going to ever leave you or forsake you, whatever you're going through, whatever the Lord's calling you to do. Yet he was also commanded, to, um, again in verse 23 of the same chapter, Joshua was also commanded again to, to be strong and courageous. And the Lord commissioned Joshua. So I like it how Moses first sets up Joshua as a leader, but then the Lord ultimately, the Lord was the one that called Joshua. And the Lord commissioned Joshua, the son of Nun, and said, Be strong and courageous, for you shall bring the people of Israel into the land that I swore to them. I will be with you. You know, it's, we saw how, the, how, uh, 
how the people of Israel treated Moses at times in the wilderness. We saw how the people rebelled against Moses. We saw all these different trials as you go through the Old Testament. Joshua had no easy task in front of him to lead the people of Israel. It wasn't an easy task. That's why he needed to be reminded to be strong and courageous. And that phrase is repeated so many times throughout the book of Joshua. Be strong and courageous because he needed it. And that's the encouragement I've been getting is that whatever God's calling you to do, be strong and courageous. Fulfill your calling in it. God calls us to do things that we're afraid. But guys, fear is perfectly normal. But allowing it to control our lives is not godly. Allowing it to stop us from walking in the calling God's given us is disobedience. Fear is normal to have. We all have fear. We're human. But it's what do we do with the fear? Do we allow it to cripple us from following the Lord wholeheartedly? So we see Joshua was commanded to be strong and courageous. He was also a man full of wisdom. In the last chapter of Deuteronomy, it says in verse in chapter 34, verse 9, says, Joshua, was the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses has laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. Wisdom's given by God. You guys have been going through James on Wednesday nights. That's awesome. We know that James tells us that if anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, for he gives it liberally to anybody who asks. But wisdom is knowledge, is, is knowledge applied. It's knowing the, God's word and applying it to our lives. Joshua would need this spirit of wisdom in order to lead the people of Israel. So the next thing we know is Joshua was a faithful servant. Joshua was a man of faith. And then we see Joshua was a man with wisdom. Wisdom comes from knowing God's word. Then we come to the book of Joshua. We're not going to read the whole. We're not going to read the whole book today. So don't don't freak out. We'll be done in time. Um, we're just going to jump around kind of a little bit through Joshua. We won't read every chapter. But chapter one kind of tells us again that the Lord commissioned Mos- commissioned Joshua after Moses' death, and says after the death of Moses, verse one, Joshua chapter one. The Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all these people, into the land that I am given to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. So he's saying, he tells Joshua, Moses is dead. It's time to take lead. It's time to fulfill your calling. Take the land. And he's saying, whatever, what I've called you to do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to you wherever you put your foot upon. So when you know God has called you to do it, when you're 100% sure it's been confirmed through God's word, it's been confirmed through those around you who have sought the Lord, who have prayed for you, whatever the task is the Lord is laying before you, when you put your hand to it wholeheartedly, the Lord's going to bless it. And I'm not saying he's going to bless it necessarily materially. I'm just saying he's going to bless it for his glory. He's going to get the glory. Whatever door that is that he's opening for you, he'll, give, he'll get the victory through it. You know, when we're, when we're walking with the Lord and we're ready to take on those challenges, knowing the Lord's called us to do them, it's, so, it's, really, it's actually really kind of exciting to watch him get the victory through it. doesn't mean it won't be easy, but, you know, it, it, does, it means that he'll be with us. And then after Joshua has been called, Moses is dead. In verses 6 through 9, it says... Uh, be strong and courageous, for you shall... And you guys should go through on your own time. You can go through the book of Joshua and highlight that every time you see that. Be strong and courageous. 
Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that my, Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your prey prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Timothy, First Timothy says, Timothy tells us that uh, to not that we've not been given a spirit of fear, but a power and a sound mind. And here we're commanded to meditate on the word of the Lord. Psalm chapter one tells us the person who meditates on the word of the Lord is like a tree planted by the water, shall not be moved. And so often as, as believers, when we've been called out to something that is bigger than ourselves, we know God's calling us to something apart from God's Holy Spirit, apart from God's word in our lives, we, we can't do it because it's beyond us. And that's why, that's why at Calvary Chapel, we emphasize so much God's word. Because if you're not grounded in God's word, then you're gonna be tossed to and fro. You need to first and foremost be grounded in the word of God. And a lot of believers that we meet, oh, I met a lot of people who have been going through trials and it's like, well, yeah, you're gonna have trials, but how's your devotion time been? Well, I haven't had time. Or, well, I, I come to church. No, that wasn't the question. How's your devotion time been? <laughs> like, so easy to, when we're going through these obstacles that we face, that's how the enemy wants to get us down, is get us away from God's word. When we're going through these trials, we got so often we get busy trying to fix a problem in our lives instead of slowing down and saying, hey, God, what do you have for me in your word for this situation? What do, you have, what do you have to teach me through this? I'd rather have God on my side than be alone in the battles. And, and then Joshua 3, Joshua after, after the... Uh, after the incident, with, after the story of Rahab and Hyden and the spies, we see that in Joshua chapter 3, verses, uh, verse 7, the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And we see that God, God was, was doing this so he would get the glory, so people would see that the Lord was with Joshua that the Lord's hand was on Joshua. And isn't that awesome when we think that God often works in our lives so he gets the glory? Because when you see somebody who's been radically changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and you see them serving the Lord, doesn't that just blow your mind sometimes? It's like, wow, that person was this person and now they're serving the Lord. And that's, that's God could get the glory. Paul said it was by the grace of God he was who he was. He knew that everything he was was by the grace of God. And when God uses you, it's because of his grace. And it's not because you're necessarily anybody special in of yourself. It's because of God's grace. And he's given you those talents. He's given you that calling. And that's a beautiful thing when we see that, when we realize whatever calling God's given us, it's not because of anything that we've done. It's because of his grace. It's kind of been a truth that I've been going through. Um, there was different circumstances that caused me to move home from the mission field um, not bad circumstances, just different circumstances. And when I came back home from Peru, South America, I had been there for five years. Um, there was a lot happening. The church is now 100% Peruvian, ran down there. Um, there was a lot happening. And I remember I was coming back and I was like, Lord, what are you doing? I'm a missionary, God. Come on, you need me. 
But no, I just remember being challenged in my walk, like, Lord, what are you doing in my life right now? I don't understand what to do with myself. I have to live in the United States. Um, but the Lord began to work in my heart the last two and a half years that it's because of his grace that we've been given anything to the opportunity to serve the Lord. It's because of his grace, because we don't deserve it. And Joshua, he was used by God because he allowed God to use him because he was willing to be used by God. And, and in Joshua chapter 4, I, I love Joshua chapter 4, but we won't read all of it, unfortunately, because of time. But I love Joshua chapter 4. So the, the nation of Israel, they've crossed over the Jordan into the promised land. And they had finished passing over in chapter 3. They, they, the Lord does this where he stops up the water of the Jordan so Israel can cross over on dry land over into the promised land, into the calling God's given them, into the land that the Lord had promised to them. And after this all happened, um, and picking up in verse, uh, let's go ahead and go with uh, verse 8, then we'll jump down a little bit. It says, and The people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged, and they laid them there. And then it jumps over because it's like, well, what do these stones mean? In, uh, chap in chapter 4, verse 20 of Joshua says, And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea when he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Throughout the book of Psalms, we are commanded to recount the Lord's faithfulness to us through the generations. That's why it's when people ask us about our lives, we need to have those memorials. When we are walking in the calling the Lord's given us, we need to have those memorials where we can go, I know God called me at this point in my life to do this task. Well, I know the Lord showed himself faithful to me at this point in my life for this purpose, for this task that he had set in front of me. We need to have those memorials, not so we stay stuck living in the past, but so we can look back and go, God's got me this far. My beautiful fiance, she's from Peru, and we are in six months of her visa process to get her to the United States. We're almost done. We've got a couple more months left of it. Hopefully, Lord willing, you know, never know. But anyways, but I was talking to her the other day just as a good example, like how far we've come. I remember when I first mailed off the paperwork, and I was, we were like, well, this is it. We're starting this journey. It's the same in our walk with the Lord, isn't it? Sometimes we have to look back and go, wow, God called me, God pulled me out of this and then he put me here and then God did this and now I'm here. Like sometimes we have to recount what the Lord's done in the past so we can continue to move forward in our walk. And so often we, we fall into thinking that we can make it on our own and that's why we all again have to remember like where the Lord called us from because it's easy to become complacent. You know, I just, yeah, that's been, these last few months have been sometimes some of the hardest months in my walk with the Lord, just having to remind myself the Lord's been faithful. He's done it before. He can do it again. So Joshua, he, he commands them to set up these stones to remember that, to remember the faithfulness of God. And so the next thing that we have is that Joshua remembered the faithfulness of the Lord. So if you want to write that down, Joshua was a faithful servant of Moses. Joshua was a man of faith. Joshua was a man of wisdom. And Joshua was 
remembered the Lord's faithfulness. And then we come to chapter 6, and we all know this story because we've all gone through it probably in Sunday school or we've heard it taught at some point, the story of Jericho. And we won't read all of it, but we, we do read that the, the previous chapter we see that the Lord, the angel of the Lord, possibly Jesus, quite possibly Jesus appeared before Joshua and commanded him to take Jericho. And in chapter 6, he's given instructions about marching around the city. And yeah, every, the city seven times. On the seventh day, um, each day they'd march around the city, and the seventh day they'd march around it seven times. And then in verse eight it says, "Just as Joshua commanded the, and just as Joshua had commanded the people, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward, blowing the trumpets with the ark of the covenant of the Lord following them." And then as it, as the passage goes on, we read that the uh, in verse twenty that as soon as the uh, People shouted, and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout, and the wall fell down. So that people went up into the city, and every man straight before him, and they captured the city. So we read this account that the walls of Jericho fell down when Joshua did when Joshua followed the Lord's command. The next thing is crazy men of faith or crazy women of faith do crazy things. Did it make sense? No, it didn't make sense, especially when we started the lesson this morning, knowing that Joshua was a man of military. Do you think that somebody who had fought battles thought that this plan made sense? Probably not. He's like, no, Lord, you don't get it. we got to siege the city first. You don't get it. No. He was just obedient to what God had called him to do. And he did it. And it was crazy. It didn't make sense. But the Lord, but the Lord did it so he would get the glory. And again, that's often God calls us to be a part of his plan if we're walking in faith. Don't miss out on what God has for you. Don't miss out on all of what God has for you. And one of those outlets is evangelism or world missions where God often calls us to do crazy things. Maybe that's to go minister, speak to people in the park here in Rochester. We don't know. Wherever God's called you to do, evangelism and missions is one of those things where it's like crazy, beyond ourselves, doesn't make a lot of sense. We could be doing so many other things, but yet here we are. But Joshua had his instructions, and despite it not making sense to a man who had fought in battles before, he obeyed. When God calls us to do things, a lot of times it's stuff that doesn't make sense contrary to what we know. But if we know God has called us to do it, he'll, he'll give the victory. And at the end of the day, how we obey God is what matters. And that's something I've been kind of reminded of the last couple of weeks has been the passage in John where Jesus is, my life verse has been the, from the passage of John where Jesus is talking to Peter and Peter looks at, John, looks at Jesus and points to John and says, well, what about him, Lord? And Jesus says, well, what is that to you if he stays alive till I come? You follow me. That's been my life first because so often when we walk in the calling the Lord has for us, we start to look at other people. We start to wonder, did we go wrong because so-and-so is doing this, so this is happening for so-and-so. But you've got to remember that whatever God has called you to do at the end of the day, that's what matters. That's what's important. Without, we'll jump over to chapter 8 of Joshua, you know, Chapter 7, we won't read it, but basically what happened in chapter 7 as a summary was there was sin in the camp. There was, they tried to take a city, but they took a city and somebody kept the forbidden items that the Lord had told them not to keep. And this caused destruction. This caused defeat for Israel. Israel lost men in this battle because of sin in the camp. So then that gives us the background to verse 1 of chapter 8. The Lord says to Joshua, Do not, be, do not fear and do not be dismayed. 
Take all the fighting men up with you and arise, go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai and his people, his city, and his land. And as we go through the chapter, we see the Lord does, in fact, give Joshua the victory again over these kings. And that's for us. Remember, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. When there's defeat or when we've encountered defeats, I was praying this morning, I jotted down a note. I just when I, I wrote down, um, when we encounter defeats, deal with the issue, get right with the Lord, and move on. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Yet so often when we encounter obstacles or we encounter defeat in our lives, we, we get down and we mope and we stay in that place like, well, now God can't use me because I messed up. God can't do this. I guess I'm just done. But when the issue's been resolved, return to what God called you to do and do it. Get right with the Lord and move on. There's no, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. There'll be consequences. People lost their lives because of this. There'll be consequences to actions. But at the same time, moving forward and you walk with the Lord is so important, growing in his grace every day. And in the same chapter, Joshua, he renews his commitment to the Lord. Sometimes you have to get back to your roots. In, in verse 30 of chapter 8 of J the book of Joshua, it says, At that time Joshua built an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel, Mount Ebel, just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the people of Israel. And sometimes you have to get back to your roots, get back to where it all began. A fresh start is so important sometimes. Um, getting back to whatever passage of scripture, whatever. I know when I first really started taking my faith seriously, I was raised in a Christian home, um, went through a few struggles as a pastor's kid, and finally reached a point where it needed to be my faith and not my parents' faith. Um, when I reached that point, I remember the book the Lord used in my life to minister to me was Why Grace Changes Everything by Chuck Smith. Great book. If you don't have a copy, I'll order you one after service. It's just such a good book. I'll be rack. I'll put it on. I'll put it on Pastor Don's card. No, I'm kidding. Is there a church? No. <laughs> He'll listen to this and be like, Ah, I gotta, I gotta freeze my cards. Um, whatever, call, whatever God used in your life to, to get you in the calling that He's given you to move you forward. Sometimes you have to get back to that. To get back to the basics. To renew your co commitment to the Lord. To renew your walk with the Lord constantly to be fresh in it and then so Joshua was a man who who renewed his commitment to the Lord who knew his commitment to the Lord and in chapter in Joshua chapter 10 verse 8 as we are going through it we see um, Joshua was ready to again the Lord is calling Joshua to again take take the land and again go up against these nations that were in the land in the promised land and he says do not fear them, for I have given them any hands, nor a, man of them, nor a man of them shall stand before you. And that's so important because um, so often we allow the world to intimidate us from following the Lord. So often we allow the world to cripple us from following the Lord. And fear will cripple us from the promises of God. It will cripple us from not trusting in the promises of God. Israel had an issue with fear and unbelief. Remember, God is saying, I've done this before so I can do it again. So what I put here as a note was Joshua was a man who knew God could do it. I like that. Joshua was a man who knew God could do it. Because um, 1 John 4, 4 says, Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. If God's for us, who can be against us? In verse 15 of the same chapter, it says, um, actually, I actually may have jumped down a little bit, but uh, in the same, uh, the idea is that he took the land and the Lord gave the victory. And he didn't settle for less than all the Lord called Joshua to do. 
And, and so often as believers, we, we only want to do things halfway. We only want to do things half-heartedly. Maybe it's a calling God's given us, and we, we find ourselves doing it half-heartedly. So don't leave anything undone. As we go through the book of Joshua, we do see that uh, Joshua did all the Lord commanded him to do. I, I, he knew the call of the Lord required full obedience because sometimes partial obedience is disobedience if we're not doing it in the way God wants us to do it. And I don't want to be anything less than all God wants me to do or be. And that sounds cliche, but it's true. I don't want to come to the end of this life and hear the words, and hear the words I never knew you. I want to hear the words, well done, good and, good and faithful servant. I want to be wholeheartedly following after the Lord. And so often we do go the half mile and we find ourselves walking in the calling only when it's easy, only when it makes sense, instead of doing it even when it doesn't make sense. And whatever calling that is, you can put it in your life, whatever calling that is that God's given you to do, parenting, careers, whatever it is, it's often harder than we imagined it would be. And that's often the calling the Lord gives us. And Joshua knew this. He didn't leave a single thing undone. He took the land. He fulfilled it. He fulfilled his calling. And that's so important um, as we, yeah, that's just so important to do things wholeheartedly. So then Joshua chapter 21, we're almost through the book, but this is kind of where I want to camp out as Joshua chapter 21, after all of these great victories, after the Lord did these things, after Joshua did everything the Lord commanded him to do, verse 45 has been a sweet verse for me. It's the, uh, not one word of the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. What a beautiful truth, right? That not a single promise that the Lord had made had had failed, but it all came to pass. The, the, the Bible says that God's word, the, I think it's in the book of Psalms where it says, God, God exalts his word above even his own name. God's word is faithful. His promises are faithful. And this, seeing this as a key attribute of God, understanding that God is faithful determines how we'll live our lives. When we understand the attribute of God, understand that he's faithful, that's going to, deter, that's going to change how we live our lives. Even like 2 Timothy 2.11 through 13 says, He's faithful when we are not. He remains faithful. Cannot deny himself. The Lord's faithful to work in us. Philippians, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Even when it doesn't make sense, the Lord is working on us. And often it feels like it's taken forever as the Lord is working out areas of our lives. I got back from Peru. That's what the Lord did. It was like straight from Peru into heart surgery for the last two and a half years as the Lord works out areas of our lives so we would be molded into his image. And his faithfulness cannot be reversed. And this is a comforting thought, knowing that he's not done with us, that there's so much more growth we still have in the calling God's given us. And his promises will be fulfilled. And knowing this should stir us to have faith. And if we wanted to, we could be in Hebrews 11 all day long where we talk about faith as the evidence of things not seen. Where apart from faith, it's impossible to please God. So we know that Joshua, he, he knew the promises of God. And as believers, we can become so down with the ways of this world, the ordinary things that we miss out on the Lord's faithfulness in the details. God works in the details. There was a, I, yeah, I could go on and on, but I have multiple examples of just times, even in my own life, seeing things work out in Peru, such situations where God was in the details. Um, there's been... This visa process that I've been going through has been that same thing where there has been 
details. Um, the Lord's brought people in our lives who's been who's told us to do things at certain times that has helped the process. God works in the details of our lives, and we don't always see it, but He's faithful even in those tiny little things of our lives in those callings. And that's what we've seen today is how we, how how God uses ordinary men and women for extraordinary purposes. And and that's that's been where I'm at as we go through the book of Hebrews 11 we see that there was men and women who had faults but but God worked through them and and the faithfulness of the Lord it's it's hard a lot of days it is it's hard to walk in the calling God's given us a lot of days but at the end of the day knowing God's faithfulness is is so important to us as we as we look at the book of Joshua um there was, let me find the passage. There was a passage in the book of Joshua that. Yeah, just the various times that he says, be strong and courageous through it. It's been encouraging to me because this idea of courageous is the idea of going into battle, of being real and to to sacrifice being willing to give it all knowing the obstacles are hard knowing that they're beyond us being courageous and in Joshua chapter 23 is as Joshua is finished the Lord has given rest to Israel Joshua is old and advanced in years and I like it because it says it says Joshua is old and well advanced in years verse 2 23 Joshua summoned all Israel and its elders, its heads, its judges and officers and said to them, I am now old and well advanced in years. It's like he knew that he was, well, he was old and well advanced in years. But now he, he recounts the, the Lord's faithfulness to the next generation. When you've completed the task the Lord has for you, there'll be somebody else the Lord wants you to recount that faithfulness, his faithfulness too. There'll be somebody else in your life that'd be like, hey, I did what the Lord commanded me to do, and he's been faithful to it up until this point. So now what God's calling you to do, so pass that on. So in verse 14 of that same passage, it says, and now Joshua is speaking to the leader, says, I am about to go the way of all the earth. And you know in your hearts and souls and all of you that not one word has failed of all the good things the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. And then he goes on to talk about the consequences, but just as all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you have been fulfilled for you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the evil things until he's destroyed you off in this good land that the Lord your God has given you. If you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which he has commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and you shall perish quickly from off the good land the Lord has given to you. And so he ends with, he, Joshua has his counselor leaders and goes, you know You've seen how God works, and now why would you want to go to anything else? So my encouragement is when you're walking in that calling and you've seen how God has done stuff before for you, why would you want to divert from your calling now? Why would you want to give up now? Why would you want to throw in the towel now? And then we, we end the book of Joshua with chapter 24. And it's a common verse. It's a common passage we'll read it it's going to be started in verse 14 
Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And it goes on that Joshua, he says, the people say, far be it from me that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us up and our fathers up from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery, who did those great sights in our land and preserved us in all the way we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we will also serve the Lord for he is our God. But Joshua said to the people, You are not able to serve the Lord, for he is the holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods. Then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the whole passage goes on to explain the consequences of them turning from the Lord, which happens in the book of Judges. Um, it's a challenging question, though, that Joshua ends with, is who will you serve? Because he's saying, if you're going to go after the world, go after the world. But you can't do both. You can't have both. It says, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Realness. Be real in your relationship with the Lord. Be real in the calling the Lord's given you. And do it in faithfulness to the Lord like Joshua did, like his generation did. Because you can't settle for both. You can't have both. Don't think that you can, you can worship, you can follow the world and serve the Lord. But the Lord is so faithful to us when we turn back to him. And that would be our declaration that today, our, our, as for us in our house, we would serve the Lord. No matter how hard the battle gets, no matter how trying it gets at times, no matter what calling the Lord's given us. God uses men and women who are fully dedicated to, to serving him, who are fully dedicated to, them, to him. And, and that's cool because, like I said at the beginning of today, God looks for availability more than he does ability, more than he does abilities. Or it could also be said, as I think it was a Chuck Smith saying that he says, the best availability is ability. The best ability is availability. Being available to be used by God, you'd be surprised at how God wants to move. You'd be surprised at how God wants to use you when you step out in faith and allow yourself to be available. It blew my mind. Um, like I said, going back Peru, I didn't speak any Spanish. I was never been, well, I had been out of the country. I spent three months in Honduras, but I didn't really learn any Spanish. I attended a bilingual school down there and mainly talked to English, which don't, that's a whole mistake I made. But anyways, um, I did learn some Spanish there, but I didn't really know that much. And it had been years since I had used it. Um, so I didn't know anything when I went to Peru. I thought I knew something, but I didn't. Um, but when you make yourself available, God uses it. I remember after four months of being down there in Peru, um, I had actually given the opportunity to interpret for a Bible college meeting. I was like, I don't even speak Spanish. And they're like, yeah, you've come a long ways. And just that being available, watching God, God work in your life is so, so powerful. Um, the same with, I could go on and on, but the same with when I was in Peru with, um, yeah, with the jungle. I went to the jungle once. Again, another incident. Not sure where I was getting into, but like, this sounds cool. I think I'm going to go. We'll see what God does. <laughs> Hopefully I come back. <laughs> but uh, I can assure you that following the Lord is worth every second of it. 
following the Lord, taking steps of faith is worth every second, even when it doesn't make sense, even when it's hard, because God does use ordinary men and women. And I was blessed you guys chose to do the men's study on the ordinary servant of God, on the ordinary servant book by Ed Taylor. It's a great book, by the way. Um, so choose whom you serve. Walk in the faithfulness of the Lord. Fulfill your calling. As Paul says to Timothy, fulfill your calling. So as a recap, Joshua was a man of faithfulness. He was a man of faith, wisdom, and courage. He knew the faithfulness of the Lord, who walked in the calling God had for him. For us, whatever calling that is, being a parent, going to evangelize, cleaning the toilets, whatever calling that is, walking it wholeheartedly, not turning from the right to the left, not forgetting the promises of God. Stay in the word, meditate on the word of God day and night. Ground yourself in the word, grow in the word. And he who began a good work will be faithful to complete it because he's faithful, he cannot deny himself. Do not become paralyzed with fear, remembering the Lord and his promises to you that he'll never leave you nor forsake you even when it feels like you're alone. Not a single word of his promises will fail, but every good promise from him will come to pass. So don't settle for less than all God has for you. Don't, set, don't cut yourself short from the blessing of serving the Lord, from the blessing of knowing God and all there is, from the blessing of growing in your relationship with him. Don't settle, because so often we want to settle short. We want to throw in the towel, but don't. Don't throw in the towel. So that's what I had for today. Thank you, guys, and we're going to close.